Breathe in. Two. Three. Four. Hold. Two. Three. Four. Out. Two. Three. Four. Hold. Two. Three. Four. As I traced the four sides of my imaginary square, I could feel myself relaxing a bit. The roar of my heart in my ears finally started to quiet down after a minute or two, and I let my head drop back. The thunk of my helmet hitting the stone behind me was the first sound I had actually registered since our retreat. I closed my eyes and listened anxiously. Still, just my breathing. I held my breath and tried again, and this time, I could hear them through the darkness. Five sets of lungs breathing their own steady beats, and a whisper broke the rhythm. Hey, everyone accounted for? Moon called out softly, and one by one, each of us gave our reply. Garcia, what went wrong out there? Hill growled after our roll call was complete and Moon had a head count. I don't know, sir. Maybe they caught a glimpse of me while I was scouting ahead, the point man replied. Honestly, I didn't see why it mattered. We were stuck either way. The mission had started out normal enough. Just a long day slogging through the Afghanistan heat and heavy gear. Garcia, the point man had scouted out a natural cave about a click away from the enemy compound we were checking out, and our team leader, Hill, thought it would give us a good strategic advantage. The mouth of the cave contained several small boulders that would make great cover, and we would be able to retreat inside if there was too much activity outside. I had a bad feeling about this cave from the moment I saw it. I still can't explain why, but Something about it just set me on edge from the get-go. When we got closer, I could see faint remnants of strange symbols all over the rock face around the opening. The feeling in my gut got worse. I knew a little bit of Farsi, but those markings didn't look like any language I had ever seen. I asked Hill if he thought the cave was still a good idea especially since the symbols made it look like someone cared about this place, but he told me not to worry. The weathering made it clear that whoever cared was long gone. Our team immediately kicked into action once we were safely within the mouth of the cave, unpacking our gear and setting up camp. Holiday and Brennan, the radio operator and his assistant, had their radio equipment put together and on in minutes and began working to relay our location and status back to base. I unloaded my pack a few feet deeper into the cavern than the rest, relieved to finally get to take off my gear. As the junior member of the team, I was the slack man, and I had the dignified job of carrying whatever the rest of the team didn't want to. I had just set down the spare ammo, and I thought I saw something move out of the corner of my eye. My head jerked up, and I found myself staring deep into the yawning mouth of the cave, at the darkness within that seemed to creep forward the longer I looked. 
I felt myself stand up and walk deeper into the tunnel, enthralled with the way the inky blackness seemed to quiver like heat waves in the desert. The sounds of equipment being put together and the soft thuds of my boots on the ground seemed to fade away as a new sound emerged, barely audible, from the shadows. A small click, followed by a wet dragging sound, drifted out to me before repeating itself a short time later. The sound made me sick to my stomach, like nails on a chalkboard, but I couldn't stop listening. I felt years pass in the silence between the end of each drag and the next click. I couldn't tell you how long the pauses actually were, but they played the soundtrack of my slow march deeper into the cave. Alvarez, what the hell are you doing? Hill's harsh whisper snapped me back to reality, and I found myself on my hands and knees, having crawled deeper into the cave from where I was just sitting. I backed up what I guess was ten feet before I got back to the wall I was leaning on. Ten feet? When had I crawled that far? Why had I crawled that far? I thought I heard something, sir. I replied in a daze. Man, what the hell was I doing? We just scouted back here, whispered Moon. Remember, Boot? Ain't nothing but a dead end. You're letting your nerves get to you. She was probably right about my nerves, but man did I hate being called Boot. I had only been with the team for a couple of months though, so I could look forward to being that guy fresh out of boot camp for at least another year and a half before I was deemed experienced enough to lose the training wheels nickname. But Moon was also right about the cavern we were in. While Hill and Garcia went over plans, and Holiday and Brennan tinkered with the radio, she and I checked out the interior of the cave. It was basically empty, just a 15-yard-long entry tunnel, a sharp left down, a 25-yard tunnel, followed by a sharp right turn, and then 50 yards later it opened up into a small cavern with a low roof, about 30 or so yards from front to back. The only defining features of the cavern were more small boulders like the ones that dotted the entrance to the cave and the tunnels that led back there. None of those strange symbols were in the cave either. They were only on the outside. The tunnels were completely unremarkable, and that uneasiness I had felt seemed to disappear. Moon took the opportunity to walk me through her backup plan in case things went south. The sharp turns and occasional boulders meant that we could get the drop on anyone who tried to follow us in. But, they also meant that no natural light could get that deep into the cave, and we would have to stay in complete darkness to avoid being discovered. If we were followed and the enemy was using lights, we could use their own lights as targets. But if they came in blind, then we would still have the advantage of tracking their footsteps. It wasn't a perfect plan, but if we ended up trapped in the back of a cave with an enemy compound just a click away, it gave us the best odds we could hope for, with our foray into the depths now over. Moon and I slowly walked back up to the front of the cave, memorizing how many steps it took to walk the length of each of its sections. 
We returned to find the sun had set, and all four of our teammates were huddled over the radio equipment, arguing in hushed voices. Hey, what's going on? Moon asked as we approached the group. Well, the comms are on the fritz and we can't get a signal inside or outside, Holiday reported. Well, then let's pack up and go somewhere without interference. No can do, boss. The compound is buzzing like bees on a trash can. If we move now, hell, we're cooked. While all five of my superiors were fiercely debating the pros and cons of trying to escape under the cover of darkness... I felt the hairs on the back of my neck stand at attention. I slowly turned to face the yawning darkness and felt that same pull as before. Once again, the sounds of the world faded away and I could hear that same sound. Click. Drag. Silence. Click. Drag. Silence. I had just taken my first step toward that familiar abyss when the sound of shouting from outside the cave brought me back to reality. Garcia ran to the mouth and crouched to see what was going on before calling back. They're coming, get inside now. What came next was chaos. We all ran as fast as we could through the darkness. The sound of gunfire from outside mixing with our stampeding steps and turning into a deafening cacophony. We tripped and fumbled our way to the cavern that Moon and I had scoped out less than an hour before, and each found a place in the darkness to collapse and wait. Yeah, I remember. I replied, looking into the darkness ahead of me, wondering how much time had passed while I was mesmerized by the sound in the darkness. That now familiar trio of gentle click, slow drag, and then silence had pulled me in yet again but the fog it left in my brain kept me from thinking too hard about it. I heard Hill asking Moon if she was in any shape to crawl back up to the tunnel and see what was going on outside. She told him no, and she twisted her ankle pretty bad on the way in, but that I knew the way around too, and should be able to make it back through the tunnels just fine. Hill asked if I could do it. I thought about the fog in my brain and the sound in the darkness, and that uneasiness crept back into my stomach as I said yes to the job. I feared the enemy, but for some reason in that moment, I feared that sound more. Hill handed me a laser pointer and sent me on my way, back toward the mouth of the cave. Before I left, I asked him a question I didn't expect to ask. Can you hear it too? I squeaked out, surprised to hear my uneasiness hijacking my voice. Caves just make noises. He whispered back through the darkness before adding in a strange, numb voice. All kinds of taps and scrapes. I shivered at his reply, put the laser pointer in my mouth, aimed it just a foot or so ahead of me, and I trudged forward. I tried to convert the steps I had counted earlier into some kind of crawling measurement, but it was no good. I decided instead to count how many times I picked up my knees as I crawled. It was partially so I could have an estimate of how long it would take to get back, but mainly so I would quit thinking about what Hill had said. He could hear it too, which meant I wasn't crazy. 
something was in that cave with us. I pushed those thoughts as far away from my mind as possible and focused on the path ahead of me. When the laser would start to climb up the face of a rock, I would inch to the side until the dot flattened out again and I could continue my path. I made it to the end of the first bend after what felt like a full day of crawling and sat back against the wall of the cave to give my hands, knees, and jaw a break. It was easily the longest 50 yards of my life, but thankfully, I only had to go half that distance for the next stretch. I sat alone for a minute listening to the sound of my breath when it started to fade away and a different sound reached my ears yet again. Click. Drag. Silence. And I swear, I could hear it coming closer, pulling itself toward me. I felt the same thrall as before, but this time, I was able to break free of the trance and start moving again. I put the laser pointer in my mouth and resumed my crawl, the only sensations being the dot in front of me, the rough stone tearing up my hands and knees, and the sound of the thing in the cave. I made my way as silently as possible through the tunnel, and after another small eternity, that sickening sound gave up its chase, and I collapsed next to the final bend, just 15 yards away from the mouth of the cave. I took a minute to catch my breath and shake off my paranoia. There was nothing in the cave. There weren't even branching tunnels. I'd seen it all myself when Moon and I were there in the daylight. I was letting the situation get to me. After I talked some sense into myself, I peered around the final corner and saw the silhouettes of at least eight men standing watch against the night sky. They knew we were in there but they hadn't followed us in. Maybe they were waiting for daylight. After all, we weren't going anywhere. I strained my ears and tried to listen to their conversation, but I couldn't understand most of what I heard. They sounded young and nervous, like teens in a cemetery late on a Friday night. One that sounded a little older spoke up and seemed to be telling them to quiet down. I could hear him clearer, and he spoke more formally than the others. I still couldn't understand most of what he was saying, but I did hear two words. Wait and beast. I turned back, shaken by what I had heard, and made my slow journey back into the cave. I just kept thinking, was I imagining that too? I mean, certainly I was. I barely knew the language and I could have easily misheard him from that far away. Still, I couldn't shake the feeling that I could hear that same sound somewhere deep within the darkness. My hands and knees were bloodied by the time I made it back to the cavern, each movement forward being met with sticky warmth and pain. I called out to my team in a whisper, and heard all five of them reply. They were still here. That had to mean that my nerves were just getting to me. I told Hill about the guards at the entrance and my theory that they were waiting for the daylight to come in and get us. Hill's response made my blood run cold. 
Maybe they're just waiting for the feast. And then all at once, I realized that I wasn't imagining that sound at all, and that it was at the edge of the cavern. Click, drag, silence. How could I have missed it getting so close? I heard it again. I felt around my pockets for my flashlight, and I heard it yet again. I pulled the flashlight out and aimed it at the sound. Click. The light came on as the last tap sounded, and what I saw will haunt me forever. Somehow, what had been a solid cave wall in the daylight was now an empty, seemingly endless tunnel that started at the end of the cavern and stretched down into the darkness. And in front of that tunnel, a mere 15 yards away from me, was some kind of creature. What looked like a giant arthropod leg stood in the center of the cavern, but instead of connecting to an insect or a spider, it connected to a quivering black mass of flesh that lay sprawled out on the ground for a dozen yards behind it. The flesh undulated like heat waves in the desert. I felt its thrall on me again, pulling me in, welcoming me to the feast. I dropped the flashlight and ran, slamming into walls and trying to feel my way back through the tunnel. I tripped over a stone and looked back to see the giant leg slowly raise up before spearing through Hill's chest. On his face was a look of pure terror. I don't remember how I got out of that cave or what had happened once the guards got a hold of me. The next thing I can remember is waking up in a small, musty cell with a dirt floor. They beat me daily and tried to get information out of me. I tell them whatever they need to know. I'm just thankful I could see the sunlight streaming in through the bars on my window.